Welcome to the Air Force Podcast. I'm Tech Sergeant Brad Sisson. On today's episode, I sat down with Colonel Enrique Oti to talk about the Defense Innovation Unit Experimental, or DIUX for short. Established as an experiment to accelerate commercial innovation to the warfighter, it has now become a permanent solution to meet the changing demands of today's strategic and technological environments within DOD. The Air Force Podcast. Welcome to the Air Force Podcast, uh, Colonel O.T. Thank you. Great uh, to be here. Appreciate it. So uh, let's dive right in. What is DIUX? Uh, DIUX is the Defense Innovation Unit Experimental. So it's a OSD unit that was stood up in the fall of 2015, and the, the main intent was for uh, the military to get access to the technologies coming out of Silicon Valley. A lot of these thoughts came out of uh, uh, the previous Secretary of Defense, Dr. Ash, Ash Carter, saying... Um, the future of warfare, a lot of technologies aren't going to be created by the military, that the commercial sector is already driving ahead a lot of tech areas. So how do we get access to that? So DIUX was an experiment of let's put a unit out there in the valley. Let's figure out how to work with the tech uh, startup community, the venture capital community, and bring those technologies rapidly back into the Department of Defense. So is it still an experiment now, or is it more permanent or at least kind of mainstay right now as far as uh, permanent? Defense? I would hope to say that we are permanent. Um, it is, I think, think it was initially an experiment, and we went through some iteration changes, kind of what our business model was. But I think over the over the almost three years in existence, DIUX has proven to be a pretty effective organization in bringing technologies back to the DoD. So what kind of technologies are you guys bringing back to the DoD? So uh, we've kind of, over time, have kind of focused on five main areas. And these where we think there are, there's an overlap between what the commercial sector is doing and what the Department of Defense needs for the current and future warfight. Uh, so the first of those is a, the space portfolio. There's an incredible revolution in space going on right now with both small sats and uh, with uh, responsive launch. And so we're looking at both of those areas. How do we get uh, different sensors off commercial, onto commercial satellites? How do we get data off these uh, thousands of small sats that are going up? And then the real focus right now is looking at how do we uh, help enable the responsive launch, agile launch community. So a bunch of, uh, there's quite a few companies out there looking at some small rockets to get up there. Uh, second area is autonomy. So uh, a lot of drones, so whether it's high-speed uh, fighter aircraft-sized drones or traditional small drones and counter drone capabilities, uh, we've even looked at a uh, and put a contract for a fully autonomous sailboat, which is pretty exciting for what it can carry with its uh, sensors. And so the autonomy is basically everything that moves, and there's a huge growth in the commercial sector on that, and we're trying to take advantage for, uh, for the DoD and, and for SOF and for some other customers. Uh, the third area you're looking at is human systems, so anything that touches the body, so a lot of medical devices, um, uh, combat trauma, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, and really looking at how do you enable the, the, the combat airman, how do you enable the warfighter uh, out in the field. Uh, the fourth area is artificial intelligence and machine learning. So that's kind of a cross-cutting capability, but how do you bring AI into the warfight? Obviously, Project Maven is one of those programs that DAOX is actively involved in to look at some computer vision. Uh, but we're also looking at things such as predictive maintenance and other types of detections of imagery and other uh, basically getting meaning out of information. And the last area is information technology, kind of a broad area looking at uh, right now, we spend a lot of time looking at cybersecurity products and then also looking at cloud migration and software development. So how do we make DoD software and DoD networks look like a modern, uh, the same kind of network, same kind of software you'd see out in the commercial sector? Tracking. So with the way, I guess, traditional, I guess, technological like acquisition of how we've, the way we've done business over the last, say, decade or so, 
how are how are you guys different and how does it i mean benefit de- the department of defense like what's the distinct difference between normal traditional i guess technology acquisition right. and what you guys are doing All right actually i think the this, that's a really good question i think the acquisition piece is the truly innovative piece that is kind of separating us from how a lot of other organizations operate. And I think that was really one of the reasons we were uh, put out there in the Silicon Valley. And it's uh, one of the reasons commercial sector has been reluctant to work with the federal government is that the acquisition timelines are too long. If you take 12 months, 18 months to close a contract, for a lot of startups, by that time, they're either out of business, you know, their, their money's run out, or they've moved on to something else. And so for us to take advantage of commercial technologies, we have to be able to contract at the speed that commercial countries co- commercial companies contract at. And so the big change for us has been the acquisitions of using the uh, other transaction authorities that were put into the uh, 2016 NDAA. So this allows us to uh, to work a little more uh, nimbly, a little more agilely uh, when we contract to be able to do some creative mechanisms and creative uh, solicitations so that when we bring technologies in, our goal is to try to get them from the time we meet with a company to the time we have them on a contract uh, down to about 60 days. We don't always make that mark, but that's kind of the target, which is, uh, again, maybe not as fast as the commercial sector will close a deal, but it's pretty fast by DOD standards. And so I think this acquisition model is critical. And the second piece of the requirements process is we work on behalf of customers, whether it's a warfighter or a program office or, or a staff agency. It's actually, we work for all types of customers in the DOD. But what we don't require is long uh specified requirements documents. What we try to do is just find a very interesting problem that we think the commercial sector can solve. We put it out to the commercial sector and we see what they come back with. So by not writing a requirements document with very strict uh, uh, proposals, then we can actually get much more creative solutions and really negotiate out something that meets the warfighters need on a short term rather than spending two to three years through the requirements process. So, so far, um, what's kind of the biggest impact that you guys have had on the DOD as far as a, a specific product, possibly? Uh, I think we've had quite a few products that have really uh, enabled the Department of Defense. So the first one I would say has to do with our autonomy. We've done some really interesting work uh, with both UAVs and counter UAVs. Uh, we can't too talk, talk too much about what we've done in that space, but there's been a lot of support to special operations. And internally to DIOX, we've established an organization called Rogue Squadron, and they are really probably the preeminent uh, drone hackers uh, out there in Department of Defense right now, understanding how drones work, uh, how to make sure that they're secure, how to make sure that these commercial products that are cheap, that both we can buy and our adversaries can buy, how do we make sure that they work for the DOD purposes when we need them to? Um, I think that's been a very successful program. Uh, and then I think we're really getting a lot of success, a lot of traction right now has to do with the IT uh, portfolio. Uh, a lot of our um, our cloud migration efforts in support of U.S. Transportation Command, moving them into a cloud environment. A lot of the software development efforts in support of the Air Operations Center. Uh, and right now we're trying to assist with the uh, a- enterprise IT uh, solutions coming out through, uh, through the Air Force as well. And again, one last area would be obviously the space portfolio. Uh, with the really rapid emergence of the commercial space sector, uh, DIOX has been able to put under contract multiple small sat companies to launch uh, satellites with specific sensors uh, that we have interest in. And also we've been able to put under contract uh, a couple of uh, companies that actually build small rockets to do some kind of exquisite launches rather than uh, payloads riding as ballast on, on large rockets. So I think those three, we've actually shown some real impact to the department in terms of delivering a technology but I still think the biggest impact has been what we've done with the acquisitions community and trying to show people that there's other ways to do acquisitions, not just the traditional uh, FAR-based model. 
track in. So I know you said you couldn't dive into a whole lot about, um, you know, drones and all that stuff. And we obviously, if it's hitting a certain point, we can't. But um, the whole Rogue Squadron thing, was that in response to, because um, I was deployed in support of Operation Inherent Resolve, was that kind of in response to, say, our adversaries out there in uh, Iraq and Syria and stuff like that using drones? Um, and uh, I it, mean, it was actually, it was kind of, there's two parts. So part of it was our adversary using drones. We saw some really interesting tactics. Uh, coming from ISIS on how they were deploying these really small commercial drones, very cheap, they can buy them anywhere, and they were being used for, you know, in some cases, you've read articles about them putting grenades on, on the drones, or they're using them for surveillance, and so part of us looking at how are they using them, and how can we uh, understand that and help counter that. The other part is just the, you know, as a, as a new generation comes to the military who's comfortable with drone technologies, you have soldiers, uh, sailors, airmen, marines, that are trying to bring drones into the war fight. Uh, Army especially is really trying to bring commercial drones in. So we are looking at, we are responding to a need there to make sure that the drones we bring into the war fight, uh, make sure they're secure, make sure they, they meet our mission purposes. And so there's a big uh, kind of a blue effort on that side to make sure that what we take in the war fight is, is doing what we expect to do in a way that we expect it to do it. That's actually a pretty quick, as far as like quick response to, hey, our adversaries are doing one thing. How do we, you know, how do we defend ourselves in that way? In the same time, how can we harness that and take that technology and use it for our own uh, purposes? So that's yeah. absolutely fantastic. So how did you get involved in DIUX? Uh, me personally, I was at the time I was at Stanford University. I was doing my uh, uh, SDE, Senior Developmental uh, Education Program at Stanford as a fellow at the Hoover Institution, and I was out there, and myself and a few others who were out there on the ground, along some National Guardsmen, Colonel Buto from the 129th, uh, we were, had a lot of conversations about, you know, it would be really nice if there was an Air Force presence out there. Um, well, we saw a lot of technology we thought were interesting that we could bring back, and we actually saw a lot of culture of, can you bring some of that, kind of that energy and that spark from Silicon Valley, can you bring that culture back uh, into the Air Force? And so uh, we kind of came up with some concepts on how to do that, and we got great support from the A2, the A6, and SAF AQ staff. And so based between those three staff organizations, they said, yep, great idea, help stand up a team. Uh, around the same time, unbeknownst to us, uh, OSD staff was doing the same thing. So between OSD and Cyber Command, there's another push to put some uh, forces out on the ground. That's when Dr. Carter announced DIUX. And so basically it was just... Uh, you know, kind of a, a vortex of innovative ideas. We ended up just establishing a single unit out there uh, called DIUX. So the Air Force guys are on the ground. We just rolled under OSD staff, and basically for three years now, we've it's it's truly a joint unit. A lot of Air Force presence there, but it's it's a truly joint organization, uh, folks on a joint mission. That's absolutely fascinating. It was kind of similar. Now, I wouldn't say quite similar story, but similar story that uh, Captain uh, Lauver and Captain Aurora were talking about with AFWORKS. So how does AFWORKS, I guess, play a role in DIUX or vice versa? Uh, I think right now we're still trying to figure out that relationship. Yeah. And so uh, I think AFWORKS is awesome. Uh, and you're right, they were a collection of a bunch of different innovation entities that kind of grouped together to say, okay, you know, we're now something. We're now a, a kind of a more formalized structure. And so I think they're finding their business model just the same way we were trying to find our business model. Uh, so we're trying to find ways to work together. I was actually just out there uh, a few weeks ago working on some uh, unit-level uh, squadron planning, mission planning applications. We ran a design sprint out there at the AFWORKS facility. Uh, we've also had some overlap with them on the predictive maintenance program uh, with them connecting us up to the E3 program. So I think right now the relationship between DIUX and AFWORKS is more of a kind of a target of opportunity among the Air Force people at DIUX and the people that we have personal relationships at AFWORKS. But I think over time I think we can probably get a more 
uh, formal relationship in terms of understanding who's targeting which technologies and what are the kind of the lanes in the road. But uh, it's a great organization, and we're trying to help them out as they stand up. That's fantastic. Um, so where do you see DA UX going in the future? That's a really good question. Uh, I hope DIYX grows in the future. Um, I hope we come, become a more integrated part of the overall OSD process in terms of how we operate. And I think really the most important thing is I, I would like to see DIUX help spin off similar capabilities. And that's really what we're trying to do right now. We call it our, our scaling efforts, which is as we're working with customers now to solve their problems, we're trying to work very heavily with their acquisition and contracting legal staffs so that as we solve their problems, we're also helping them establish the internal capability to do the same stuff we do, the same way they, we use OTAs, the same way we start looking at problems, the same way we, we engage with industry. So we're actually, I think in the future, uh, DIYX will always continue to try to solve big problems, but I think what we spend a lot of time is helping coach other aspects of the DOD on how to build out those structures so they can operate in some of the same ways we do. And again, it's not not that this is a solution for everything. There's some very niche areas that DIYX is good at that we think other parts of the DOD can help, can work at as well, but this isn't the solution for everything. There's, there's still a role for other forms of acquisitions. So um, being military, we're constantly moving around different units yeah. and stuff like that. So for you, where do you see yourself do you think you'll always kind of be linked with the iux or what's what's the future for you well i hope so i hope they don't disown me here um uh so the future for me is actually um a continuation of a diux project so one of the efforts we had at diux uh one of our early efforts was to try to understand software development and so we worked with afcent with general harrigian over at uh, the cfac over at afcent and we helped build a single app for them to prove that there's a new method of, of writing code. The way the Silicon Valley, they push out code really quickly, startups can get going over a weekend. We wanted to prove that airmen can actually write code in that manner as well, if you free them up and give them the right tools. And so we built a first software package. I think uh, I've seen a few articles on it, the, uh, the tanker planning tool. Uh, but since then, we took what we did there and there's that scaling effort. We worked with the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center and we, uh, taught them how to do this as well, and they took it on, and they've run full speed with it. So what you have right now is the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center has taken these technologies and methodologies of Silicon Valley, and they're standing up a, what they call software factory out in the Boston area, and they're they're producing quite a few applications for uh, the Air Operations Center, not just at Al-Udeed, but also other Air Operations Centers around the world. And so that whole software effort of growing an organic capability to do rapid software uh, and beautiful software really is what we're looking at. Is you know, The term we use is it should be joyful for a user to go to work and use the software they're given. It shouldn't be going back in time 15 years. And so Lifecycle Management Center has really spun up that capability, and they're growing it really quickly to support AOC and support some other war, uh, weapon systems. So uh, where do I see me in the future is actually uh, I'll be moving out there uh, to the Boston area to work with Lifecycle Management Center and continue to grow that capability from the Air Force Lifecycle Management side, not from the DIUX side. And so... Down the road, um, these kind of successes, I actually hope DIYX has more of them where you have a formal transition to a program office. Uh, but for me personally, as we transition, as we start doing more and more software development in the Air Force under the Kessel Run program, I'm hoping we have close ties to DIUX and keep those close ties so, that, so we don't become stale. We need to keep bringing in new technologies and I still see DIUX as that route for bringing in new technologies. Track in. Um, Kessel. Kessel Run. Is that the official name or is that kind of a... That's, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, it's the name that those of us who kicked off the program uh, a little over a year ago, it's the one we just kind of decided as the internal pro project name just so we could call ourselves something. 
and it seems to be sticking. I've seen it in some uh, some fun official Air Force documents. So uh, I'm being a big Star Wars fan, a big Star Wars geek. I hope the name sticks as official, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so from a kind of a at least a simple standpoint of what I was reading about is uh, there was I guess there was a um, uh, was Alphabet CEO CEO. Uh, yes. He came in and saw that you know. Uh, we as an Air Force were kind of, you know, using a whiteboard to schedule out things. Right. And he's like, there's a better way to do this. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that story? Because I found it fascinating just from how simple it was, but also stating the effect that like programs like DIUX and AFWorks can have just even from the simplest form of, you know, fit, right. aircraft scheduling and whatnot. So. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting you, you mentioned uh, Dr. Schmidt from Alphabet, former CEO of Google as well. Um, I think this story kind of shows something about innovation. Innovation is not a standalone effort, um, and it's not something that can be small, done in little small pockets. Innovation's an ecosystem. It's a spreading of ideas among a bunch of different organizations. And this was one of those cases where the Defense Innovation Board, the Defense Digital Services, and DIUX really kind of banded together uh, to solve this problem. And so it started with, at DIUX, we had decided we want to try to build some software. We talked to the ACC commander, and he said, yep, go find something, do something experimental. And so we were about to start down the road of just something futuristic. We weren't sure what we are building, just something. Uh, but that's the time when the Defense Innovation Board, Dr. Schmidt and uh, my boss at the time, uh, Ross Shaw, they went to the IUD Kayak. They walked around and they saw the Tanker Planning Board. And it's a whole idea that we are doing planning, very complex planning on a whiteboard. And uh, whiteboards are great, great user interface. It's really hard to beat a marker on a whiteboard for speed. Uh, but whiteboards don't do math very well. And that was kind of the whole issue is the mathematics behind what they were planning was so difficult that any change to the plan took a huge amount of time. And so there's an inefficiency in the process in that if you couldn't make a change in time, it was just easier to just launch another, another tanker. And so there's an efficiency aspect. You're burning out the crews, burning out the maintainers. And so uh, Dr. Schmidt saw that, and he was really kind of shocked from a business perspective of the, the inefficiencies of that. And so... Uh, my boss, Ross Shaw, called me and said, forget what you're building, you're now going to build a tanker whiteboard. And so this really kind of changed the focus of being just an experiment on the side into actually now having to produce an application for combat operations. And we did it. The airmen that, uh, that we brought onto the team did a fantastic job, and within four months, uh, they had their first iteration of the tool up on, on Cipronet and in use by the warfighters out in the field. And again, since that time, uh, we now have, I believe, six applications in combat ops over at the IUD Kayak. We have... Uh, quite a few more in development right now all over the U.S., mixture of airmen and uh, contractors, civilians uh, building it. Wow. And so, but again, it's Life Cycle Management Center that's now running it, but they've done a fantastic job of building capabilities. And where Defense Digital Services come into this is that they've helped advise. And so, DIUX, we have some, we have some expertise on our team, but Defense Digital Services, they're, you know, they're people from the Valley that were brought into the government to help advise on software. And so we've had a great relationship with them as they, as we're scaling, they help us advise to make sure that we're doing it right. And a lot of us in our minds, we're trying to view this like a startup. How do you, how do you scale a startup? And we're trying to grow that same way and trying to avoid the pitfalls of startups. And so having Defense Innovation Board and Defense Digital Services help advise has been a great, uh, great advantage as we move forward. But it's really, it honestly comes down to the airmen that we've hired. At Life Cycle Management Center and DIOX, we've done a great job recruiting airmen to come out TDY from quite a few career fields, not just software developers, but we've had Intel airmen, we've had a radio airmen, we've had, a, I think we've had a maintainer, um, just quite a few from different career fields, people who like to code. We bring them on the team and we let them actually build apps for combat ops. So regular, you know, airmen out there who 
uh, wants to kind of be part of this in, in this team of innovators, um, how would they go about reaching out to to you guys? Wow, I'd love to give my uh, email over this, but that might not be the best idea. So um, I'll have to get back with you on that one. Okay. I believe there's a we have a. Uh, the Kessel Run has a website okay. uh, that they manage that they allow people to kind of, if they're interested, they can put their name forward, but obviously you need to get your commander's permission because we're looking for people for about four to six months Dragon. at a time, enough time to spin them up on how to do software development and get some use out of them. And then really what's, what's great is we've seen these airmen go back to their units and cause radical change inside their organization and how they think about software internally, how they think about technologies. Uh, and so I, I'll be happy to get back with you and provide you the information on how to reach out if you if you like to code, you have a passion for writing software. Um, there's definitely a place in the Air Force for you now. That's perfect. I'll just we'll just put it on the description in the okay. podcast app, so it'll be super easy. So that's uh, easy to take care of. Um, well, I want to thank you again for the time all right. and all the effort trying to us trying to coordinate this and sit down and have a conversation about it. I find it fascinating. Some of the stuff's a little bit over my head, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure a lot of the people who it's their passion to do this, they want to they want to do that. Um, so thank you again. Colonel yep. OT. I uh, appreciate it. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. The Air Force Podcast.